Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. worshiping Him today. Oh, the sweet aroma of your presence. Hallelujah. You grab your Bibles and turn to the book of Hebrews chapter 9. So thankful for what the Lord is doing in this church, in our generation. Amen. In your lives individually. So thankful for all of our guests that are here. We welcome you. So thankful you have taken time to be with us today. And we welcome you. Would you help us welcome all of our guests today? We are so thankful that you are here. In Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 22, I personally believe that the Apostle Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. Certainly, my opinion, the, the, the similarity of writing that's uncertain who wrote the book of Hebrews, I personally believe it is the Apostle Paul. But he's dealing with the law, and he's comparing the law of the Old Testament, and he's teaching us how to live in the New Testament, and the parallels of the Old and the New. The Bible teaches us that the tabernacle, the Old Testament, was a type and shadow of things to come. Let me know that. And we can see through the teaching of the tabernacle uh, about the sacrifice and the day of atonement that there was certainly the need of a lamb. The need of a lamb. John the Baptist declared Jesus, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. I'm so glad he took my sins away. Anybody feel that way? An old song that says, I came to Jesus weary, worn, and sad, but he took my sins away. Everybody in this building, we've got one thing in common. Romans 6 tells us we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everybody in this room, Jesus taught us that there's none good. No, not one. Everybody has sin in their life and comes to a point that you've got to get the sin out of your heart and I'm so glad there's a way to get the sin out of our heart he made a way to get the sin out of our life Jesus is the sin fixer amen the sinner he can fix the sinner do you believe that and so with one verse being read in Hebrews 9 and 22 and it says and almost all things are by the law purged with blood and without shedding of blood is no remission. Without shedding of blood is no remission. I'd like to use a phrase, sort of a, a line from, from an old song, just simply, there is power in the blood. There is power in the blood. Look at your neighbor and say, there's still wonderful working power in the blood. Is there anybody in the building that still believes there's power in his blood? Amen. God bless you as you are seated. 
to understand Christ. Paul, in his writing, teaches us, and I will reflect some on my teaching this morning, but there is something to be said of Adam in the garden. Scripture teaches us, it says in Romans 5 and 17, it shows us that if by one man's offense, death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Verse 19, for as by one man's disobedience, many were made, what? Sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. When we see that it was through Adam, we understand that Eve sinned first. But when Adam took of that tree, he was the disobedient one. The sin did not enter the world by Eve. It entered the world by Adam. When Eve took of the fruit, nothing happened. But when Adam took of the fruit, he had the ability to be obedient at that moment and the curse would have never come on the world. Can you say amen? It was certainly her sin that was the, the beginning of, of disobedience, but it was Adam's choice. Adam not taking authority. Adam not not lifting his voice, as I said earlier, not standing for what God had commanded. So the Bible declares to us by one man, sin entered into the world, and that man's name was Adam. Scripture tells us that, that in Romans chapter 5, it tells us that in verse 14, it says, Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses. Why? Because sin. Even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. Adam in the garden was made of the dust of the ground. And when God said, let us make man in our image, God rolled his sleeves up. He fashioned Adam from the clay. And he was making Adam in the image of Jesus Christ that would come 4,000 years later. Jesus didn't look like Adam. Adam would have looked like Jesus. Because Isaiah declares, he declares the end from the beginning. That's why scripture tells us that even Jesus Christ was crucified before the foundation of the world. God had a salvation plan before Adam ever disobeyed the commandment of God. But when Adam sinned, he brought sin into the home. He brought sin into the family. And from there brought sin up on the earth. From that moment, there has always been a sin problem on this earth. Paul addresses it in the New Testament when he said, when I would do good, he said, evil is present with me. He's not talking about a family member. Evil is present with me. He's not talking about his spouse. Evil is present with me. He said, for there is sin within my members. He's talking about the Adam, Adamic nature, the nature of Adam, the sinful nature that was passed down. I don't care how much you pray, your kids are going to be born good sinners. Can I get a witness from some saints? All the saints says the preacher's kids you got to watch. It's because they hang out with the saints' kids. 
Come on now. Sin is natural for everybody. Just because you're born again doesn't mean your, your children were born by immaculate conception or they have all perfect ways. Just because you were born again doesn't mean your children are going to be born with, with perfection. Oh, no. Everybody that's born of woman is going to be born with a sinful nature. And Jesus told Nicodemus, who came to him by night, and he said, ye must be born again. You have, people say, well, this is how I was born. Well, you got to be born again. You have a sinful nature. You've got to be born again. And when you begin to see that when God made the bride from Adam, he put him to sleep, he took a rib from his side, and he made his bride. Can I say to you today that Jesus has a bride? The first Adam had a bride named Eve, and the second Adam, which is Jesus Christ, because Adam's sin brought sin into the world through disobedience, but the second Adam, which is Jesus Christ, through his obedience, he brought righteousness into the world. So I've come to tell you, you were born with the Adamic sinful nature. But when Jesus gets a hold of your heart and transforms your heart, you are born with his righteous nature. He changes who you were and makes you like him. Somebody shout hallelujah. How is that? I'm going to tell you how it is. For when Saul was converted, became the apostle Paul, he knew he had been changed. And so a man that was born in Rome, raised as the strictest of the Pharisees, when he was about to go home and preach to those that were in Rome, the country he was from, he goes back and he says this, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. He said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. May I remind you that what could not be accomplished in the Old Testament through the tabernacle or Levitical law, through the blood of goats, through the blood of bullocks, oxen, and even sheep and lambs, because it would only push the sin to the next year. But Jeremiah said, there is a day that's coming. There is a one that is coming that he's going to give his blood and you, he will no longer say, I see your sin or remember your sin. He said, but I will see your sin no more. Isaiah declared it when he said, there's a virgin going to have a baby. He declared it in Isaiah 9 and 6, unto us a child is born. And a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Somebody shout, the Savior is on the way. Amen. And when Jesus was born, the angels descended. And when they said, they began to say, Amen. Joy to the world. Peace on earth. And goodwill toward men. When Jesus showed up, peace came. When Jesus shows up, joy comes. I submit to you today, you might have come from a place of dysfunction. You may have come from a place of chaos. But I come to tell you there's a Savior that's coming down your road, to your life, to your house. He's going to bring you joy and he's going to bring you peace. How many know he's the joy maker? How many know he's the peacekeeper? How many glad he came to your house one day? 
Somebody shout glory. And when he was born, God spoke through an angel to Joseph who was Jesus' father, a man by marriage to his mother. And he said, thou shalt call his name Jesus, Joseph. Joseph, I'm let, here's what you're going to name him. I want you to speak over him. I come to tell you again, we need some dads that will speak what God is saying. We need some dads that will say everything is going to be all right. We need some dads that will look at their spouses and say, you're beautiful. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. We need some dads that can look at their children and say, God's got a destiny for you. God's got a plan for your life. Can I preach like I feel right now? And when he came, he said, Joseph, call his name Jesus. For he's going to save his people from their sins. And when he was on that eighth day and here he was, he said, his name is Jesus. Jehovah has become my salvation. God has come to this earth manifest in the flesh justified in the spirit. He's not just another baby. He's not just another prophet. He is the son of God and he's got healing in his wings. He's got hope. I come to tell you, you might have had a lot of people to tell you a lot of things, but when Jesus speaks, he brings peace to your troubled waters. When Jesus speaks, he brings order out of your chaos. When Jesus speaks, he brings a light to your darkness. I come to say, he is the light of the world. He is our hope. He's our peace today. Somebody just shout with me, Jesus. Jesus. You need to speak the name of Jesus. Amen. There's power in that. As I said a moment ago, when he entered his ministry at age 30, John's role was to declare him. He said, I'm not, the Bible says that John was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of the light. When John the Baptist's ministry, all the great things he did, the thousands he baptized in the Jordan River, he said, there's one coming after me who's mightier than I. His shoes I'm not worthy to bear. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And when he says this, he looks up and at Bethabara, at the Jordan River, here is Jesus at 30 years old. And he stops his message. He stops the baptismal service. And he looks and points. This is him. This is the one. When he said, behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world, he was saying, this is the Christ. This is the Messiah, the one that was written about in the Psalms of David, the one that Moses prophesied would come. Through all the years of the law, all the years of the law, when they would celebrate the Passover, they would say, I thank you for the lamb in Egypt. But then they would stretch their hand this way and say, I thank you for the lamb that's on the way. Thank you for getting out of Egypt, but there's a lamb that's coming that's going to wash away sins. The lamb is on the way. I come to tell you, the lamb is on the way. You might have a mess in your life, but the lamb is on the way. Woo! He's the lamb. Somebody shout, I know the lamb. The lamb is on the way. Behold the lamb of God. Behold the lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. And Jesus walks up there, and when he comes down, he said, John, I'd like you to baptize me. And John said, oh, no, 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 no. Me baptize you? Oh, no, Lord, I want you to baptize me, he said. 
I know who you are. He said, no, you've got to baptize me so I can fulfill all righteousness. Amen. Why was Jesus baptized? Not to wash away his sins. How many in the building believe that Jesus was perfect in all of his ways? Come on. I believe Jesus was perfect, never flawed, never made a mistake, never. How many believe he was the unblemished lamb? Look at your neighbor and say, Jesus was perfect. I agree with, I agree with Pilate when he said, I find no fault in him. How many have served him for years and can say, I find no fault in him? I agree with Pilate's wife when she said, don't have anything to do with the just man. He's just, he's holy, he's pure. Amen, he's undefiled. You can find no guile in him. And for three and a half years, he walked as, as the word incarnate. He walked among men. He walked as God manifest in the flesh. He opened the eyes of the blind. He opened the, 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 the ears of the deaf. The dumb would walk. The, the crippled, the, the dumb would talk, the crippled would walk. He walked to graveyards and would raise the dead. He was so merciful and so gracious. To follow him through the gospels is to fall in love with him all over again. Is to see his compassion. He was moved by compassion. The Bible calls it the, 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 the after his like passions and the passions of Christ. You begin to see his greatness. He turned the water to wine because he obeyed his mother. He did so many marvelous, powerful things. Walked upon people's storms and calmed them for them. And they said, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? How many know there's never anybody like him and there will never be anybody like him? Come on, that's why we come to church on Sunday because we know who he is. And we know he's still worthy of our praise. Nobody gets the praise and adoration that he does because he's our Savior. He's our Savior. He's our Savior. And I want to say just as an insert before I, I, I move forward, I don't ever want to be comfortable with him. I don't ever want to become casual with him. I don't ever want to come to the church and the spirit of the Lord is moving. And I'm just, I'm just wondering what time service is going to end. The pastor's going to preach as long as he did in the 10 a.m. Don't you know that we got some, we got, we got meatloaf in the oven and we, we've, we got places to go. And sometimes if we're not careful, we can lose the value of what he did for us because we've got a schedule. But when I come into the house of God, I want to enter his gates with thanksgiving and my mind be upon him and say, if it hadn't been for the Lord on my side. Come on, where would you be if there was no Jesus? Where would you be if there was no church? Where would you be? Look at your neighbor and say, you know where you'd have been. You'd be a mess. You'd been a mess. You were a mess. And he, he baptizes him. Not to wash away his sins, but to fulfill all righteousness. As our example that when we come to the Lord, that every one of us are to be baptized. Nowhere in the scripture was anybody sprinkled. Nowhere in the scripture was anybody sprinkled. He took him out and he baptized him. What does that mean? Ba baptismos. It means to submerge. It took him all the way under. There, there's, there's people that, that, that interpret scripture to make it convenient for people that are believers. And, uh, and so they, they create doctrines that are not biblical, like sprinkling. It's nowhere in the scripture. I've searched it through and through. It's just not there. 
I mean, there's even a movie, I think it's called uh, The Gospel of John. Jesus goes, walks all the way out in the river with John the Baptist. They're both standing there, and John dips his hand in the water and pours it over his head. Read it. That's man-made ideologies. You don't pour water over somebody's head. It's not in the Bible. You don't baptize babies because it's not in the Bible. Well, what, what do we do if there's no water? I can take you to Acts chapter 8 where there was a eunuch that was out in the desert. And, he, and, and the Lord sends Simon Peter. Because he that hungers and thirsts out in the desert. And they get out of the desert. And uh, the Lord sent him from a great revival of Samaria. He goes down the straight street, ends up out in the desert. And here's a eunuch headed from Jerusalem back to Ethiopia. And he walks up to him and he, and he, and he stops the chariot and stops the, the and he says, uh, do you understand what you read? He said, how can I accept somebody shows me? Because God will always use a preacher to reveal truth. Jesus will not preach you the gospel. He can reveal who he is, but he will not preach the gospel. Saul, send men to, to the tent down there to find Simon who, who, who dwelt with Simon by the seaside. He's going to tell you what you need to do. How many know that? That's right. I mean, he told, he, excuse me, he, he, he told Saul who he was. He said, send for Ananias. But when Simon Peter in Acts 10, he, the angel told him, I want you to send for Simon Peter. Because God will not preach you the gospel, he will send you somebody to preach you the gospel. Somebody shout amen. And when you began to see that, that, that in Acts chapter 8, that there was something that was happening. There was a man searching the scriptures. He had heard about Jesus. And the Bible says that, that, that Philip got in that, that chariot with him, opened up to the book of Isaiah that he was reading. And from there, he began to preach Jesus unto him from the Old Testament. Because you can look right in the Old Testament and find Jesus. And he declared unto him, Ooh, can I read a couple verses to you? Is your meatloaf burning? Amen. Praise God. He's always got spam. I hear it all the time. Amen. It says in Isaiah 53, Who hath believed I report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and out of the root of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Everybody say Jesus. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Everybody shout Jesus. Surely he hath borne our griefs, carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Oh my, somebody say Jesus. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. And all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Jesus was sorrowful and very heavy because of your sin. He was sorrowful and heavy because of my sin, because of my mistakes. I know they have the centurions that took him to the cross and nailed him, but the truth of the matter, it was your sin that nailed him to the cross. It was my sin that nailed him to the cross. And, the, and, and, and Philip the evangelist in Acts 8 gets in the chariot and from the same portion of scripture, he says, this is the Christ, the one that Isaiah prophesied about years ago. This is him. His name is Jesus. When he 
starts preaching to him, Jesus, the, 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 the eunuch says, well, here's some water. He's in a desert. But he said, here's some water. What does hinder me to be baptized? And he stopped the chariot right there. He didn't wait till baptism Sunday, six months from now. He took him to the water right now. And he baptized him right there in the water. Amen. Because he believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I tell you today, why was it important to baptize? What was the significance of baptism in that day? I could take you to the book of Acts chapter 10. Are y'all with me today? Amen. I could take you to Acts chapter 10. And the Bible tells us that, that the Spirit of the Lord, how many felt the Lord moving us today? And in Acts 10 and 44, it says, While Peter yet spake these words, meaning the gospel, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision, everybody say the Holy Ghost fell. Can I say it should happen that while the gospel's being preached, that heaven comes to the meeting. Look at your neighbor and say, we need the Spirit of the Lord to follow on us. Now listen, I've preached in this church long enough. I know I went a little longer. I'm not apologizing for this morning at all, not one bit. But I feel, I'm not. I'm in the Holy Ghost. But I'm going to tell you what I feel right now. I feel a little scattered feeling. I just feel that in the building. I, there's a little scattered feeling. I wonder, wonder what time we're going home. Let, let's go home when the Lord tells us to go home. I'm not planning on preaching long. But I do feel like God wants me to preach to you the gospel of Christ today because somebody's soul was on the line. Somebody, need, some, somebody here wants to turn around. Somebody here is tired of the sin and the chaos. They're tired of being empty and broken. They, they want to, and if I could just get the gospel to them, it's going to change their life like it changed your life. Hallelujah. And I want to preach to you today what God has given me. And when people are hungry for the word, I say to the anchor, I know I've been dealing with the men for a couple weeks. I, I'm not, not appreciating the ladies. But there's got to be a hungry with, hunger within us. Can I ask you a question? Are you hungry for the presence of God? Are you hungry for the word of God? There should be no new convert that worships us, more excited than us. If I've been in church for 20 years, I should still be thankful that he brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on a rock to stay. Come on, there's revival in North America, and I want to be a part of it. There's revival in the end time. Hallelujah. It's hard to have the Holy Ghost to follow on if your mind's on the restaurant. Your mind's on leaving. Listen, we've got to come to the church with expectation, not to-do list. We've got to come to the church with expectation. How many still believe there's power in the gospel? Somebody shout, preach the gospel, pastor. Okay, well, here goes. Amen. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. I can't tell you how many times I've been preaching the gospel and the presence of the Lord move in. I was at a college. I was in engineering school. And I was in the dorm room and uh, teaching the gospel. When I got to the point of commitment in the gospel, there was a wind that blew through the window. The presence of God hit that room so strong. They lifted their hands and the Holy Ghost fell upon them. They began to repent in a dorm room of an engineering school. What am I saying? I looked at them. I said, have you repented? Yes. I said, let's get baptized. The Holy Ghost fell around midnight. We baptized them at 6 a.m. Not going to baptize you because the water's cold. Not going to baptize you because it's not Sunday. 
Oh, no, no, no. There is a river down here. Matter of fact, God's given us two rivers to baptize you in. And on Wednesday, I'm going to baptize somebody in the Licking River. I'm so excited about it. I got about four or five people excited about it. We ought to celebrate every time somebody's given their life to God and they want to be buried in the name of Jesus. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed. The Jews were astonished as many as came with Peter because they owned the Gentiles. Oh, I know he can touch the Jews, but he touches people like that. The Gentiles. Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking about you. Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Hold on. I knew the Jews could get it, but these dogs, the goats, people that aren't the chosen, I hear them speaking in tongues just like we did. Go read Acts 11. Peter later tells it. He said, the Holy Ghost fell on them as on us. Everybody shout, at the beginning. At the beginning and on the Gentiles. And when he saw this, he said, hold on. Then answered Peter, can any man forbid water? that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we. Verse 48, what does it say? And he gave them the option to be baptized. Because in 2023, baptism is not important in churches anymore. Just accept the Lord. Just believe. James said, and preacher James, the Lord's brother, he said, show me your faith without your works. He said, I will show you my faith by my works. Works do not save you, but obedience to God's word does. Go wash your eyes in the pool of Siloam. And when he washed his eyes, he was healed. Stretch forth thy hand. He was healed. Everybody say, faith requires an action. Amen. Somebody shout, amen. amen. He commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. Why? Did he command them to be baptized? Why in a desert in Acts 8 was there water to be baptized? He said, well, here's water. You know why he was saying here's water? Because he was teaching them about baptism. Because you can't preach about Jesus and not talk about his blood. And you can't talk about his blood and not talk about remission of sins. And you can't talk about remission of sins and not talk about baptism. Woo! Praise God. Because at the Last Supper, in Matthew chapter 26, verse 28, look what it says. Oh my. Are y'all ready? Matthew 26 and 28. You have it back there? Matthew 26 and 28. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for what? Not because of the remission of sins, but in order to obtain the remission of sins. He didn't shed your blood because of remission of sins. He shed his blood to obtain remission of sins. Let the church say amen. For without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. So here it is. Eve was his bride from Adam. Adam sinned. And when Adam sinned, it brought sin into the world. 
It caused sin to run rampant. Where the wages of sin is, it is death. How I many know that's true? It brought death. It brought emotional chaos. It brought confusion to the world. It brought division. Sin will always divide. Sin will always separate. And the Bible says in John 10 and 10, for the thief has come to steal. He's come to kill and he's come to destroy. But Jesus said, but I've come to give you life and that more abundantly. How many know he can give you life? You might have been depressed yesterday, but you can be happy today. Amen. You might have been suicidal this weekend, but not tomorrow because he's going to bring life where there was death. He's going to bring joy where there was sorrow. And Jesus is at the Last Supper. He, he takes the bread. He said, this is my body, and he break it. He said, this is my body. It's going to be broken for you. He, he, took, he took the wine. He said, take and drink. He said, this is the blood, my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many. For what? For the remission of sin. What was his purpose? His purpose is that he would save his people. What? Come on, everybody shout, from their sin. He's going to save. How is he going to do it? There's only one way he can do it. He has to die as a substitute for you. Instead of you going to the cross, he's going to go to the cross. Instead of you dying for your sin, he's going to die for your sin. And that's why the scripture says in Isaiah, he was wounded for my transgression, afflicted by God. It looked like the wrath of God was taken out on him. Truth of the matter is, is that when they were they were. Uh, whipping him 39 stripes nails in his hands a nail through his feet it should have been you and it should have been me there was no sin in him he was the perfect sacrifice he was the perfect lamb how many know he's the perfect lamb and when he hung on that cross, he bled from his brow. He bled from his back. He bled from his hands. He bled from his feet. He bled. And when he died, they came with a spear and poked him under his rib. Up in the ribs, they poked him. And when they pulled the spear out, the Bible said there was so much blood and so much water that ran out that they took a recording of it. With all the crucifixions, they had never seen anything like this. There was so much blood. There was so much water. And that blood blood that ran out of his side and dripped off his toes soaked the, the ground that was under the cross. I know it was gruesome that's why the Bible says it, it was hard to look at him because Calvary was not a beautiful picture. Can I say to every one of you that's what sin wants to do to you. Sin wants to nail you. Sin wants to inflict you. Sin wants to destroy you. But God said I'm going to step in between your, your, your payment of your sin I'm going to take it for you so you could come out of sin and be holy. You could come out of sin and be righteous. You could come out of sin and be... Woo! He's taking the blood of it so you can have a new day. You can have a brand new beginning. You can have a new life. Somebody shout glory. I'm mean, glad he gave you a new beginning. What he's saying is, I'm going to take the punishment. I'm going to take the pain. And it began to run out of his side. And I will say to you today that guess what? As Eve was brought out of Adam's side, the church was brought out of Jesus' side. As Eve was the bride of Adam, the church is the bride of Christ. 
As Eve came from the ribs, so does the bride of Christ come from his side. And what is that? That's the blood and the water. So I say to you today, it really doesn't matter where you come from because we've all got a background coming from somewhere. But when I tell you that you come to the foot of the cross and you lift your hands to him and say, Lord, I don't want to be a sinner anymore. I don't want to be a gambler. I don't want to be a cheater. I don't want to be a fornicator. I don't want to do the things I used to do. I don't want to be lost in bondage of addiction. I'm tired of the chaos and the confusion and the mental anguish. I'm tired of repeating the same cycle. Hope for a different result. Jesus, I give my life to you. I know that you didn't just only die, but you died for me. I'm asking you to change my life. I don't want to be this way no more. Guess what he does? He gives you forgiveness. He grants you an opportunity to change. I come to tell you, you can change. You can be different. You can. I've come to preach to you. He can turn your life around. Come on, jump to your feet and clap your hands and shout. He can turn your life around. Woo! Glory. I feel him in this building. Amen. Somebody shout, there's power in the blood. When Abel died and they buried him, God said his blood cries from the ground. Could I say to you, the blood of Jesus that was shed 2,000 years ago, it will speak on your behalf. It will say, it's covered. There is no sin in them. It is the blood of Jesus. The word remit does not mean to forgive. Without the shedding of the blood, there's no remission. Everybody say, remission is different than forgiveness. I can forgive you and have a whole list of everything somewhere, memory. Forgiveness and remission are different. I can forgive you, but you've got forgiveness at repentance, but you've got remission at baptism. Look at Acts 2.38. When they said, what shall we do? The first time the gospel was preached. Simon Peter with the keys to the kingdom. Then Peter said to them, repent. You know what that means? Turn. In the Old Testament, the word repent was to turn. Everybody say turn. Repent and be some of you. It's optional for you. It's up to you. That's the doctrine of today. Repent and be submerged. Baptized. Every one of you, how? This is in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? He's the one that died for you. In the name of the one that shed his blood. That's why Matthew 28 and 19 says, Jesus said, go ye therefore and teach all nations. Baptize them. How? In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. That's why in John 5, 14, 13, Jesus said, I have come in my Father's name. Matthew 1, 21, what's the name of the Son? Somebody shout Jesus. Amen. For his name shall be called Jesus. Thou shalt conceive and breathe for the Son. Thou shalt call his name Jesus. Somebody shout Jesus. Jesus. What's the name? And the Holy Ghost. The Bible says in John 14 and 26, the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. And when you get baptized, everywhere in Scripture somebody was baptized, they always and ever said the name of Jesus. Somebody say Jesus. Why? Because you're saved? Where's remission used at? Hebrews 9 and 22. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. Jesus said, Matthew 26 and 28, this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. He said, repent and be baptized. 
Every one of you. How? In the name of Jesus Christ. Why? Remission means to be treated as if it never happened. Was a sinner, not a sinner. He washed every record. Colossians, Colossians 2 talking about baptism said he, he takes the handwriting of ordinances and cleans the record. I wish somebody would take your hand and just clean the record. Because there's power in repentance. There's power in baptism. There's power in his blood. Somebody shout, there's power in his spirit. How were you baptized? I want to be baptized right. When Saul's conversion in Acts 22, 16, let's look at it. It'll take just a second. Acts 22, 16. Look what it says. I really feel strongly to talk about this today. I really do. God's going to spare the meatloaf. He said, his pastor, the man sent from God, said, And now why tarriest thou while wait? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins. How? What's the name of the Lord? Whatsoever you do in word or in deed, do all in the name. Acts 4.12. Throw that up there. Acts 4.12. Neither is there salvation any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby there's power when we call upon his name. There's power. Now I'm going to tell you, this isn't just the blood of anybody. That blood will never lose its power. When you repent of your sins and say, God, I don't want to be a sinner. I don't, I don't want to live a life. I don't, want to, I don't want to go that way. You know what they would do? They would take in the same hour. Acts 16. Philippian jailer. They took him the same hour and baptized him. Because what do you do with dead people? You die out to sin in repentance. That's why Romans 6 says we are buried with him by baptism. That like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we arise to walk in newness of life. Read it in Romans 6 and 4. The Bible says we are baptized into Christ. Amen. I mean, believe this. As many of you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. When you repent, you're dying at the cross. When you get baptized, you're being buried with him in the tomb. And when you come out, as he was raised, glorified, so you come out with a righteous spirit that says, I'm going to do the things of God. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have been made new. Come on. He said, put off the old man and put on the new man. I'm telling you, there's enough power to remove every single sin in your life because it's his blood. It washes it all away. If you are here in this building and you say, today I want God to change my life, I want you to step out of your seat. I want you to walk to this altar today. I know what I feel. I preach a lot. But I know that God is calling people to a chance. I'm telling you, today is going to be the first day of the rest of your life. Come on to the altar. Come to the altar today. God is going to meet you at this altar. 
How many believe the Lord is here to change a life? It's the first day of the rest of your life. It's the first day. Will somebody get excited with me right now? God is speaking through His Word. You'll come to the altar today, I promise you. He's going to turn it all around. He's going to turn. I want, I want us all to begin to pray all over this building right now. Lord, we search our hearts. We search our minds, our spirit. Today, God, we need you. Lord, we need you today. We want to be right with you. There's power in your blood. There's power in your blood to wash away sin. Come on, I wonder what would happen. We'd all repent today. God, forgive us again. And when and, in, when and if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father who's faithful and just to cleanse us of our sins. And Oh, God, we need you today. We're praying that every soul, every person here could respond to the word of the Lord. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. I want our, I want our ministers, altar team, to help me right now pray. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You've repented, but have you been baptized? Have you had the name of Jesus invoked over your life? There's power in His name. There's power in His name. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Lord, we love you in this building. Come on, pray with Pastor right now. The Lord is moving among us. He's changing my life. He's changing my mind. He's changing my spirit. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. We're going to pray all over this building. I want the entire sanctuary to become a place of prayer. I want the entire sanctuary. Brother Dylan's going to lead us in song. I want us to pray with those that are in the altar. Amen. How many need a renewing in your life? Would you raise your hand? God's speaking to you and dealing with you. How many have felt His presence oh, sweep over you? To Hallelujah. If you need a renewing, the You're saying, I want to get closer to God. I want you to come to this altar today. Forgiveness. Come on, that's it. If you say, today I, I, need, a, I need a cleansing in my life. I, I need a fresh touch of God in my life. Today is your day. Today is your day. I want our altar team to work with these that are here. There's a move of your spirit. Oh, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.